how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Today on The Colin and Samir Podcast, we're joined by our youngest guest we've had on the show, Braxton Haugen. Braxton is a filmmaker and YouTuber based in Oregon. He has a long history of working in entertainment, specifically in television. He's 18 years old, but as you'll hear on this podcast, he's wise beyond his years. We met Braxton because he wrote an article about us, and it was so well-written that we decided to schedule a Skype call with him to learn more. On that call, Braxton told us that if we ever needed help with anything, he'd fly out to LA to work with us. All we had to do was say when. So two weeks ago, Braxton landed in Los Angeles to help us with our new show, The Breakdown. Over the past two weeks, we've put out two episodes of the show. We've learned a lot about the production process. We've had a lot of successes. We've learned where we can improve, but most importantly, we got to know each other and we got to learn how to collaborate with each other. He's extremely talented, he's very well-spoken, and we couldn't be more excited to introduce all of you to Braxton Haugen. All right, this week on the show, we are back sitting outside. We have a couple of wind chimes, uh, which were present last week, and it's because we're actually sitting outside of Colin and Jack's apartment. And when I say Jack, I'm referring to Jack Coyne. It is now public knowledge, as of this week, that Colin and Jack live together. Yeah, pretty exciting. Jack just made a video last week where he announces it, and uh, yeah, Jack's my roommate. Okay, and staying in Jack's room for the past two weeks has been Braxton Haugen, a filmmaker from Oregon. Braxton, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? So, Braxton, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, Is this your first time on a podcast? No, I actually ran a podcast of my own for 50 episodes. 50 episodes? 50 episodes. Okay, let me, let me also preface the fact that Braxton <laughs> is 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that, that says a lot about Braxton and who he is at this age. The fact that he's done more podcasts than we have. He's 18, but he's a very accomplished filmmaker, um, has a really great understanding of the digital media space, uh, a great writer, and someone that we've connected with by just watching his YouTube videos. He watched our YouTube videos we got on a Skype call with him, and we just thought, all right, this guy has two weeks before he goes to college. Can he come down and work with us in L.A.? Yeah, so wait, tell me more about this podcast, because 50 episodes, yeah. that that doubles us up. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'm super interested in like digital media and, and that whole world, and I think having a, a good understanding of podcasting as a medium right now is super important. Uh, at, a, at a time like this. So I ran a podcast that I just hosted by myself, a solo podcast uh, about video games and, and kind of the news and just to get used to that format and that style. I had no ambitions uh, besides learning from that. So I ran it for 50 episodes, closed up shop and, and learned a ton. And then that's actually part of the freelance work that I do now is podcast consulting, helping people get RSS feeds up and explaining that gear and, and formatting and all that. So throughout this podcast, you're definitely going to be listening and ask yourself, is he actually 18 years old? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I think we constantly asked ourselves over the past two weeks. So to give you an understanding, Braxton came out 
um, exactly two weeks ago today to help us with our show, The Breakdown, which we talked about a lot on last week's episode and we've been talking about a lot on our YouTube channel. The show's a, a big goal for us to make a weekly program. And, and the way we became aware of Braxton is he wrote an article about us. And when we read it, obviously it was very flattering that someone wrote an article about us, but the writing was just so good that Colin and I wanted to talk to him. And when we talked to him on Skype, Braxton was basically like, give me the word and I'll come to L.A. to help you with anything. Mm -hmm. I think we sat on it for about a week, but immediately after the Skype call, we knew, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get him down here. We just had to figure out some logistics. And then we realized Jack was going to be out of town and that it would really work out for Braxton to come stay and, and live with me for those two weeks. And once we had that figured out, it was just, you know, no doubt in our mind. So, so tell us a little bit about even that offer when we were on a Skype call mm. to say, like, just give me the word and I'll, I'll come down there. Yeah. Why, why? Why? I guess. I have a small, uh, small list in the studio where I make movies back in Oregon. And it's just a list of names of people that I would drop anything to work for at any given moment for any given opportunity. And uh, you guys were on that list. Wow. And I, I found you guys through your Beam video that you made last year and the format of that desk show, which is now what the breakdown looks like, the DNA of the breakdown. And that was just a really interesting format and something that I think is underserved on YouTube right now, talking about digital media, specifically YouTube. And that show just really caught my attention. I was like, these guys are on to something special. And then when we connected and you were talking about what the breakdown looks like and, and turning that into a show. I, I knew I wanted to be a part of it and at any opportunity to, to get involved, I, you know, it was totally down. So that offer was, was very much something I didn't even need to think about. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just incredible to, uh, to think about your experience at 18 years old and your, your willingness to take a chance like that. Um, and I think now is probably the opportunity to, to bring our listeners up to speed. Mm. You're 18. Uh, you've been working in, film and, and content for a long time. Yeah. Um, so give us some, some history with your experience in content and entertainment yeah. and you know why, why you are who you are today. For sure. Yeah. So I grew up in, in front of the camera and around content creation and, and media. Um, my dad was a television host, hosted a couple different television shows over the years that I was a part of pretty extensively, both in front of the camera and then in later years behind the camera uh, as a cameraman, as an editor, as a producer. And that was kind of my entry into this world of filmmaking, into this world of television. And since I was in, in like the first grade, I've always wanted to make movies. Or, or I think, and you know how when we're growing up, we have like these little books of things that we want to be when we grow up and you fill that out for like elementary school. And I've sa saved all of that in this, uh, this scrapbook. And there's the, the same line every year, want to make movies, want to be in the movie industry. And I think first it started as kind of like this in front of camera actor type thing. Like, you know, I was obsessed with Star Wars and a lot of, you know, the, the traditional films that everyone's obsessed with at that age. And then that kind of turned into, oh, I can make movies. I can tell stories of my own. And then being involved in, in the television world, my, my uh, dad's television shows were kind of reality television shows, outdoor television shows that pertain to, uh, you know, hunting and fishing and travel. I want to let that helicopter, helicopter overhead. Go. Uh, the cops are on to us. Common occurrence on the <laughs> side of Los Angeles. Yeah, we're, I mean, it's just been really nice to podcast outside, but it's not, you know, it's obviously not the best for the audio environment. The ideal but sound setting. It's still beautiful. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, September in Los Angeles is beautiful, but carry on. Carry on. Carry yeah, so that, that was kind of my uh, introduction to it. And then as I, as I grew up and kind of started to realize 
what the totality of what I was involved with was, I really wanted to branch out and make my own thing and, and be attached to a story that I had complete control over. I think in, a, in an industry as, as controversial as, as hunting, especially on television, there's a lot that um, there's a lot of context that can get lost and mixed up. And I think at a young age, that just forced me to grow up really fast. And, and being, it, being recognized in that world at an age where I feel like I wasn't completely aware of who I was as like a human being really lit a fire underneath me to accelerate what I was doing on my own. And I think that's why I was drawn to YouTube. So I was drawn to telling stories of my own and, and sharing experiences from my life that I was really passionate about. And it was because of those building blocks that I had being in front of the camera and, and having the opportunity to be behind the camera and have this insane learning experience of how cameras work and what production looks like and basically what an idea what the process of an idea starting to then being finished on a timeline to then distribute to viewers, I had a hu uh, an incredible understanding of that at a very young age. So I'm very thankful for that opportunity and, and now being able to take that and run with it as an 18-year-old is super awesome. So your parents are making TV shows and you're, you're on these shows. Mm. How old are you when this is happening and, and what is your role? Yeah, so I was in my first episodes when I was like four years old. So I really have grown up in front of the camera. And, and over the years, I became more involved in front of the camera. Like the first show that I properly hosted, I, I was six years old. We shot it in Texas. And I had like a, the, a full hosting role in that show. And, and people started to recognize you. Yeah, so as the, the television shows have gone through a couple different series and, and one that was... Um, one that I was involved with pretty heavily in my uh, later elementary school years it was called Game Chasers, and I was in a lot of episodes throughout those seasons. And um, these shows were distributed on, on national television, and we would travel a lot on the road as a, as a family, and there'd be, like, meet and greets and, you know, signing books and posters, and it was a, it was a lot at once uh, at that age, but a really interesting experience. And would you say part of the reaction to that experience at that age was finding youtube and deciding to then create there what's your process how, how did you come across youtube and, and get connected to youtube i got connected to youtube through education and learning first first and foremost there's a lot of um times where i needed to know how to cut something in uh, final cut or in premiere and i just i came to youtube as a as a learning as a place to learn first and then it was it was kind of through there that i um saw the trickle down of other of other content creators and storytellers on the platform. We never had television at our house growing up. So like the first time I had like unfettered access to media was through YouTube and the internet. That's interesting that you didn't have television but you guys were on television. Exactly. Yeah. So did you did you watch the episodes? Yeah, we would watch them before like they went to went to um, the networks like we'd get early cuts and I was I was pretty involved in like the overseeing of the editing process and revisions. And, and how old were you then when you were involved in the revisions of the of I the got cuts? I got really into editing like when I was 10 years old I got like my first professional editing gig with uh, an outdoor How do you store even get Cabela's. A, How do you even get a professional gig at 10 years old? <laughs> That's a good question. Right? Like yeah. how does that even happen? I mean, it's just being in the right place at the right time and, and having those opportunities in place to take to take advantage of. I mean, I was in a really good place with my dad uh, being involved in television and, and not he was more of the host writer. And there was always need for it for an editor and someone mm -hmm. behind the camera. And that was just a role that I naturally filled. So, you know, your dad has been involved in, in television for a lot of years now. Mm -hmm. um, 
what does he watch YouTube? What does he think of of the medium yeah. of YouTube? Like how like you're you're from a traditional entertainment mm-hmm. family, really? And, and yeah, what does he think of that? My parents have gotten more into YouTube recently as I've like started to post more consistently on the platform and, and introduce them to the creators that I'm watching. Um, he doesn't spend a lot of, a lot of time consuming content. Like he's written a bunch of books, but hasn't read a lot of books recently. You know, it's like this idea of create more than you consume. Like that is very much you know, a religion for, for him, which I think is an interesting example to learn from of, you know, working hard and, 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 and pursuing, pursuing your passion by creating more and putting more out there. So who was the first creator, uh, outside of like educational stuff yeah. or maybe inside of educational content that you latched onto and was like, wow, this is, this is something maybe I want to do. Maybe I want to put stuff up on this platform. Yeah, I think in terms of planting the seeds of putting something out on the platform, making movies for YouTube, um, we're in Los Angeles now, and the last time I was here was was four years ago, and I was we had the opportunity to be on set for a, for a Disney Channel show just to like sit in on and, and watch the live recording, and it came at this time where I was like really considering giving up the idea of filmmaking. I was exhausted by being involved in te- the television media space. I, I was kind of growing up and looking back at this image of myself and not that just wasn't sitting well with me I was looking back and being like that's not me that's not what I want to I mean at that point you had been on camera for what 10 years yeah yeah at 14 years old yeah a decade of of being a part of Mm -hmm. entertainment that you didn't Control. Yeah, yeah you didn't exactly. really control, which yeah. is, that's fascinating. And then seeing media creation in like a more traditional entertainment sense, like a Disney Channel show and seeing the, the checks and balances and how many cooks were in the kitchen, it was exhausting. Like this idea of like how many people an idea needs to run through before it's actually take shape, it was, it was super overwhelming. And, and that was something I was like, I don't want to, I don't think I want to go to film school for this. I don't want to, I don't want to jump through these hoops to, to be able to tell a story. And then that was the same year that I found Casey Neistat on YouTube. Mm. And this idea of like, you just pick up a camera and, and tell a story and you cut it and you post it and you have control over every single aspect that goes into a, to a story. And then I, from there, I was like totally obsessed with YouTube. And that's amazing that that, that is actually still a pretty fresh concept. Like yeah. I, I went to film school. So mm-hmm. for me, like all I knew coming out of film school is I was going to go through some process, play a really specific role in the movie business. And like when I was exposed, same to Casey, I was like, wait a second, you can just pick up whatever camera you have, yeah. <laughs> make a video and then upload it. And I think it kind of brings up an interesting distinction between uh, film and video. Yeah. Right. Is there, do you feel like, cause you grew up in like an entertainment business, like mm-hmm. there, there's a strong difference between, cause like a lot of people on the internet, on YouTube refer to themselves as filmmakers. Right. Do you think that that's the same thing? Like, how, is there a distinction between film and video or television and video? Like what's happening on YouTube yeah. versus what, what's happening? I think happening like on? any natural evolution of a medium, I think filmmaking right now is in a very interesting place and is changing super rapidly because of the internet and because of the accessibility to, to filmmaking tools. Like uh, the, the way that we look at like a YouTube film or a YouTube video now was, is, was impossible 20 years ago. It was impossible like 10 years ago. I mean, to the level that, to the prolific level that videos and movies are being turned out on the internet. I mean, Vimeo is another great example. There's mm-hmm. just distribution options for independent creators now, and that is causing the, the film industry to change and adapt. 
Yeah, I think the distinction is, is strictly about distribution. Yeah. Because I would say that I'm a filmmaker, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily part of the film industry yet. Like, I think the film industry still has the connotation of, like, Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, things that are being distributed in theaters or at film festivals. For sure. But the reality is a lot of things that are on YouTube or are on Vimeo mm-hmm. potentially actually have been to film festivals um, or are of the same quality, like indistinguishable, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about the platform that they end up on. But one thing that's interesting to me about this concept, because I, I, we got a tweet about this, I think, over the last two weeks about film versus video. Yeah. One thing that's fascinating is that I consider long-form content that's on Netflix to be film. But some of it is, is exclusively distributed on the internet, just like a YouTube video. It never hits a theater, but it's a film. Not only that, some of the content, the long-form content on Netflix was originally on YouTube first. Yeah, that's true. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's an entire long-form documentary about a van life couple that I think the majority of that content started out on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, they got their start on They got YouTube. their start on yeah. YouTube, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, that, I just wanted to ask you that question because you, you've seen both sides now. Yeah. Um, and you're entering in kind of this YouTube side. Do you have any aspirations to experience the more traditional quote-unquote film side like one of the movies you make do you want to see it in a theater do you want to put stuff that you've created on on television just with your history Mm. of of those distribution outlets yeah I think the reality of the situation is you can only cram so many people in a movie theater and you can share a link on YouTube to an infinite amount of people that have access to the internet so I think in terms of like pushing pushing art to have an impact I'm only interested in the place where it's going to have the most resonance like I think of the videos in, in films that have impacted me the most that have like really changed the way that I look at life and a lot of those are on YouTube mm-hmm. and there's a different there's a fundamentally different relationship to consuming a, a film or a video on YouTube than there is sitting in a theater but also those videos on YouTube they find you yeah right if yep. you see something at a film festival you have to seek that video right you're going to find it so I think that's something that's really interesting about YouTube as a consumer is that you feel like the video has found you. Like mm-hmm. it was meant to be that this came across your feed or was shared to you, right? You're just discovering. There's like always endless opportunity in what you can find and what's going to resonate with you, which is so interesting. The relationship you have with the content is so different online. Yeah, and relationship I think is the key word there because you do feel like a sense of community or a sense of camaraderie between the viewer and the creator. And I don't think that's necessarily as true in a more traditional film and television sense. Not to bash that. I mean, I love of television and, and film. Me too. And um, But I think there, it's just a different experience and it's one that I think there's the, the most refreshing ideas happening in all of media creation right now are happening because of the internet. And I think the internet is lighting a fire underneath traditional film and television to like, okay, we have to like change up some rules here mm-hmm. because clearly there's a lot of innovation happening in this space over here. We're kind of sticking to what's worked in the past. And of course there's standout examples of really experimental, mm-hmm. incredible film. But I think a lot of those ideas are happening because of the internet and because of people's attention spans. Oh, without question. Yeah. I think even the way that things are edited, like when you start mm-hmm. to see how like t- television shows are starting to be edited quicker, like the cuts are happening faster to, to emulate what's happening on YouTube. Even jump cuts are more like allowed, yeah. I think, in film and TV, which mm-hmm. they weren't. That I remember the first time I saw a jump cut on YouTube, I was like, what was that? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the strangest thing. That person didn't even finish their thought. Like, they just cut in the middle of it. And I thought, 
it was so strange, but now it's just, I mean, it's so commonly accepted. Um, like I, I feel like it was such an interesting time to be in film school just right at the beginning of YouTube. Because, like, my senior year, I think we all uploaded our senior films to YouTube to share them. Wow. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was just like a storage place. Yeah, a place it, to have it. It was your like, film. oh, okay, this is easier than uploading it, you know, anywhere else or giving it to you on a DVD. We just all upload it to YouTube and send it to our teacher. And, like, that's so interesting. And so I, I remember that was really the first time I became exposed, was my senior year of college. Was like, I was like, wait a second. People are uploading stuff and, like, like doing it with repetition like every week they'll upload yeah. something like a show like a tv show i remember yeah. jenna marbles was the first person i was exposed to on youtube and i was like whoa she's like building a brand here and i remember i was like this is insane and i i went to go work in in hollywood and you mentioned uh how many cooks in the kitchen there are like even in the editing room in a hollywood movie it's like oh my god there's so many people involved in this process um which is fascinating. But I wanted to go back to what you said about cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. So um, you've been living with Colin for two weeks now. Mm, good segue. <laughs> yeah. Good segue. <laughs> and uh, Colin uh, has been cooking for you, right? Yeah. And for the, for the house. Mm-hmm. Give a review of, of Colin's cooking. Honest review. Honest review. All right. Honest review. Oof. I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> Colin's been killing it. Woo! There it is. Wow. Absolutely knocking it out of the park. What we had last night was, like, as good as yeah. some of the places we've been eating. Here. We ended with a real bang. Yeah. yeah. Ended with a bang. I mean, sure. lentils, roasted broccolini, <laughs> tomatoes, yeah. spinach, avocado, fried on egg a, on top. Yeah, on a late night edit to get us Yeah, late that. night edit. I think we started cooking at, like, 930, yeah, 945. Yeah, <laughs> Wrapped up at midnight. You know what's interesting about living with Braxton and, and the cooking thing is that I don't cook for myself. Like, I have a really hard time cooking for myself. I don't know why. I go out to eat a lot. But when someone else was there and I felt like I was held accountable to provide for someone else, it was much easier to come up with ideas and cook. I didn't even have to think about it. All of a sudden, I'm like Emeril Lagasse over here, <laughs> like pumping out hits out of the kitchen. Emeril Lagasse is a bit of a throwback. Like, does, does anyone out there listening, did they watch Emeril? Do you remember Emeril's show? I mean, I just said Emeril's name, so yeah. But did I just date myself? Who's like, who's the chef? I have absolutely no idea. Oh my goodness, who's the celebrity chef? Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay is like commonly known in entertainment. Wow. So that reference really just just bombed. Old school, I think. Okay. Who else? Uh, Guy Fieri. No, I don't want to say I'm Guy Fieri. Okay, I'm gonna say though that cooking is the same as any other creative task. Like when you're given a restriction or a framework to create it and you're going to be more creative it's the same way as if you have a creative project and you're like i want to take a photo every day and you kind of get lost in like what photo am i supposed to take but if you're like i'm going to take a photo of a car every day Mm -hmm. you're going to take a photo of a car every day makes it much easier you're looking for cars and one of the restrictions was that i had a very defined audience which you can say the same for content when you know who your audience is it's much easier to make that video for them i had an audience of one Mm -hmm. which is the easiest audience you could have in terms of creation uh so here i am in the kitchen knocking out hits because I had all these restrictions. Restrictions and then accountability. Like accountability is super important to creativity, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, one thing, now I just want to bring it all back to the show we've been working on for the past two weeks, The Breakdown. This is something we've, uh, you know, we've attempted to make this desk show on like a consistent basis before. Um, But it's been really challenging because as you saw, it's a lot of a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of effort, right? I mean, if you guys are watching the show week to week, it's, it's, I mean, Braxton is sitting pulling clips for two full days probably and, and the writing and the research and the fact checking. And then comes the editing, which is multiple days of, you know, 10 hour, 12 hour days of, of editing. Um, so it's a really lengthy process, but, 
um, you know, just, just having an audience to receive it is what's holding us accountable. And our first week, uh, we haven't, you know, last week we did it right when we pressed publish, we had no idea what the reaction was going to be to the show. So what were your expectations then? Like publishing last week, you recorded the podcast the day after yeah. it went live. Where were, you, where were your guys' heads at versus now? I thought that that, that episode was going to have a, a big reaction from a viewership perspective because of the topic, but I thought it would probably cap out in a month at about 100K, 100K people watching it. Um, and to give you guys a frame of reference, if you haven't watched the video today, a, a week later, it's at 180,000 yeah, views in Just shy of 200,000 views just shy in a week. Of, yeah, 200,000 views in a week. So uh, it, it, it became that first episode of that show, the, the episode we all worked on together, um, became our third highest viewed video ever on this channel mm-hmm. within a week's time. Um, were you expecting, what were you expecting when you came out to work on this show of like what the process would be and what the reaction would be to the first episode? I think the process, I, I had a pretty good idea of what it would look like just looking at what you guys have made in the past and the, the episodes that were referenced kind of in those those beginning stages of planning and pre-production of like, okay, it's going to look like the Will Smith video or, or the Beam video. In terms of like the audience that it garnered immediately after publishing, I was I was totally blown away. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a fascinating experience. I think one of the interesting things about that video, if you look at the analytics, is that the majority of the people who watched it are from India. It was around, I think, 60% or something, or 50, maybe 50%. Um, but that equates to uh, upwards of 60, 70,000 views that mm-hmm. came from India alone. And that was never the case on any of our other videos. So it was really interesting that it tapped into this one market that's emerging that we talk about in the piece that this is something that's happening, that there are a lot of views to be gained in India. And that's yeah, exactly proof of the point. <laughs> proof of the point. That's exactly what happened. I thought that was fast. I've never seen that happen on our channel before. So you're, um, we talked a little bit this morning when we went out to breakfast about your expectations coming into these two weeks. Um, but just, just to give us like another understanding of it, like what, what was your expectation when you signed up for this, when you said, yeah, I'll, I'll come live with you guys for two weeks and work on this show? Yeah, I mean, the biggest focus was the show. Like I, I was really interested in, in turning this into something that can be consistently turned out because I do think it's like something really special on YouTube. And obviously I'm a bias and kind of close to the sun to make a judgment call like that. But when I found you guys and had, had, had no personal connection to what you were building, that stood out in a sea of content on YouTube. It's a really saturated place right now. And I think to, to make something about YouTube that's not oversaturated and is not uh, you know a genre of commentary that's I don't know. There's a lot of like drama channels and commentary on YouTube. The idea of commentating on the YouTube scene is not new. Right. We got another helicopter yeah. coming overhead, by the way. Oh, okay. It's going, going for away. a second pass. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's not a new genre to operate in mm-hmm. and neither is news, but I think it's the intersection of those two matched with your guys's personality and understanding of YouTube as a platform. Like mm-hmm. I th- you guys have been, doing youtube for years like the lacrosse network and mm-hmm. you you've built up credibility to 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 sit behind that desk and have a to have a point of authority to make and i think that's what makes the show super unique taking these topical these topical subjects and really diving into it in a way that other people can't on the platform right now so outside of the show what were your expectations versus reality of samir and i just as people because i think this happens a lot on youtube where you'll watch a creator and you think you have a pretty good idea of who they are and, and how they act. 
but you had a really unique experience where you've you know you watched us for some mm-hmm. time and then immediately you're living with me uh, and you're spending we're spending really long hours together all all three of us for two straight weeks. It's a really wild, remarkable thing that we just like met over YouTube and then just be- came into a flow like immediately. Like I have the same question to you guys of like w- we watched each other's videos and I feel like I had a, an idea of who you were and we like skipped this whole like three month window of getting to know you. Like all these random personal questions that come out in creation as you kind of like, you know, bear your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those things are answered through YouTube and especially once you have a, a, a more prolific catalog of, of films and videos up, like you can really get to know someone and to like get into a flow immediately of creativity and, and just communication. Like it's I think, wild. I think one of the strangest things to think about is that over the past six months or, or year, sorry, past nine months, the deepest connections I think we've made personally with friends have all been through YouTube. Like in a world where it feels like maybe we're more disconnected because we're, you know, watching each other through a screen or, or, you know, consuming life through a screen, the people that we've met and like how close I feel to someone like Jack Coyne, who we met through YouTube and then, you know, ended up spending a week with in close quarters uh, in an RV, someone like you, who, who we met on the internet, guys like Yes Theory, um, someone like Matt Diavella, Mango Street. I mean, these people I feel have become very close to us um, off camera. And it's fascinating to me that that's, the connections are all made through you know, the, the screen and through content. And it's continually happening too. I mean, these are people we're mentioning that we have met and now become friends with in real life. Mm-hmm. But there are multiple people that we are working with every week. You know, there's a guy who lives in Stockholm right now. We really like his channel. We're working with him. Uh, there's a guy who lives in, outside of Philadelphia who we've been working with for months. I've never met him in person. I haven't met a lot of these people in person, but we're working with a lot of people who are getting involved in our channel. And I would say it's my favorite thing about YouTube, favorite thing about the Internet is the personal connections we can make, like with someone like like you. And it's it's it emulates like a community where, you know, you're you're from a kind of small town in Oregon. Right. And there might not be a ton of like minded people there, but there are a ton of like minded people in the world. And we can find each other through YouTube. And when we get together, it's like we're all on the same page, which yeah. is really strange. It is really it's strange. It's really strange. It's like I don't think of YouTube as like a traditional social media platform. But in a, in a strange way, I think it's the strongest social media platform, especially for people that post consistently and, and, and make videos about their lives and, and who they are as people. Because I think there's a, there's a certain length. Let's see where I'm going with this. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's such a one-to-one interaction. We've talked about this before, but it's the only social media platform where someone can sit down for 15 minutes and if they choose to have no cuts and just speak directly to the camera without music and look at someone at eye level, and then that person can comment below and then all of a sudden this person can react to them in the next video. It's just this interesting thing where... You could end up, let's say you watch someone who posts daily 15 minutes of content every day, you could end up what feels like spending more time with that person who's posting 15 minutes of content a day than than people who you interact with in your everyday life, than your family. It's this really interesting medium that you don't get on Instagram or Twitter, which is much quicker, right, and much more ephemeral. It's totally different. 
I also have a question for you. You're, you're 18 years old. You, you're talking about social media right now, but you, you told us that you don't have Instagram. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, you, there's a lot of things about you that's not like a typical 18-year-old, but, you know, why, why, why do you not have Instagram where obviously you're interested in, in sharing your life, you're interested in creating content, you're interested in consuming content. Mm-hmm. Um, why not that platform? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And it's something that I've totally struggled with and kind of gone back and forth on. I actually made a movie about why I'm not on Instagram and kind of this this back and forth of like, am I actively leaving opportunity on the table because I'm not investing in this platform? Right now, I'm so young. And the only thing that I'm the only thing that I'm focused on doing is learning right now. Like I have no aspirations for these next you know, few years other than to like really gain a concrete understanding of, of what I want to do in this space. And I think spending time on Instagram outside of uh, studying it as a platform from a distance, like obviously I understand that Instagram is a huge player in social media right now, if, if not the biggest, I mean, they're making, especially with uh, Instagram TV and the moves that they're making to incorporate video more into their platform. I think it's important to have an understanding of it, but at some point the consumption of it is completely counterintuitive to furthering myself as a filmmaker and as someone who's creating something. I think that's an extremely rational way to look at that. Yeah. I would have trouble making that decision on my own. I give you a lot of credit for being able to look at it from an arm's length like that and really make that type of decision. Yeah, I think that's super important to have at at this stage in, in my uh, in my career, like consuming is going to take is going to waste this time that I'm going to look back on and, and criticize myself for not taking advantage of. Like I have the runway to make mistakes now. The stakes are not high. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I start college next week. I have four years of trying to find out who I am as a as a person in this world, and, and to I think I'm kind of afraid of looking back in like 15, 20 years and being like, why didn't I not, why didn't I take advantage of these opportunities that were right here in front of me staring at my phone? So you're someone who's been working since you were four or five years old. Um, as you've gotten a little bit older into high school, you're, you're generating income, you have clients, you are a full-on adult, right, who is, who is providing and has a job. College is going to be a little bit different for you. Obviously, you're going to maintain some of your sure. obligations in your work, but what are you looking forward to in going into this this experience of, of going to college? I think it's what I'm most excited for is being able to build like a, a team of like-minded individuals and adults and mentors that want to help that want to help me. Mm-hmm. And that like that's what it's that's what this time in life is for. I, I, I met with my counselor just before I, I came down to, to LA and was talking about like funding projects and there's systems through the university that fund creative projects for students and being able to have all these resources to take advantage of in a setting like that is like invaluable for me right now. So that's what I'm most focused on. I mean, it, it, it'd be great to, uh, you know, meet some friends and, and have a, a social group. That's something that I'm not used to and have really never experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I am going into uh, college having no friends. Which is, which is kind of crazy, um, but social interaction and, and that community I've, I've found elsewhere. I've, I've found it through adults. I've found it through YouTube and, and the internet and uh, have found it through kind of lo- putting learning first mm-hmm. and, you know, not to be reductive to, to, to teenagers or, or, or high school or anything, but I just f- always felt like an outsider in those situations and felt like what I had to learn from that ran out really quickly. 
mm-hmm. not to say that I was, you know, better or by any stretch of the imagination, but that what I was looking to get out of that type of experience just wasn't there. It was in other places that I was, that I was actively pursuing. And I think what's going to be really interesting about college is I think there's more opportunity there. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really excited about. I totally agree with you. I think you absolutely will find that in your classes, there is such a diverse set of people and learning is prioritized to mm-hmm. a lot of those people. I think there's, there's definitely a side of college and an image to it that is about socializing sure. and partying all the time and all that type of thing. But there really are uh, people in these classes who are super invested in what they're learning. And it starts with the teachers. Like it starts with the professors, which is really great that there is a value structure there. And there's like a emphasis put on that. And, and it, I think it, it allows you to hopefully meet some of some like-minded people, right, who are interested in having these types of conversations. And then you look at class totally differently. Like you can't wait to go to this class because you know there are three, four people there that you love conversing with and just have tons of enthusiasm for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you can hear it, right? Like Braxton, you, you uh, when you first came out here, like I was, I was surprised a little bit about how much the three of us got along, but I feel like you're more close to our age than you are at least what I was like when I was 18. <laughs> so I think that that to me is like, it's so refreshing and, and surprising and, and uh, awesome. But I think when you go to college, you'll have so many other people who are like that as well. Like yeah. you're going to be in a sea of people that are, you know, there's so many different types of people, almost like, like, the, like YouTube, like when you're on YouTube, there's so many different types of people, um, yeah. which is fascinating. But for any of you out there who want to give Braxton some advice, uh, before he goes to college this yes, week, please. this, this episode will come out a couple days before you move in yeah. or before you go to college. Yep. So you can tweet at him at yep. Braxton Haugen. Yep. Uh, I'll spell that out. B R A X T O N H A U G E N. Got him. Got it. Nice. Um, tweet, tweet at him, tweet at him some, uh, some advice for, for his first week, first month and first year at college. Yeah. I would uh, really, really love that, especially work life balance. I mean, that's something yeah. that I really want to, to figure out, uh, over these next four years, work is a, is going to remain a huge priority for me, uh, especially with what I'm doing on YouTube. I really want to make sure that what I'm doing in college is, um, works right alongside what I'm putting out on YouTube, growing as a filmmaker continuing to learn in that space and also learning in other spaces. Like I'm not studying film in college. I'm studying journalism and I have no interest in studying film. I want to really broaden my, uh, my education outside of a space where I feel like I could competently educate myself. Like I'm self-taught on every platform for editing. Most of the camera stuff I do now is all through YouTube and hands on just grabbing it and going and figuring it out in the field. Like the need for education, especially in this more like artistic content creation era, is going down. Well, full transparency, you are much better with camera equipment than uh, Colin and I are. And like we we didn't we didn't build a career making videos and making films by being super talented with cameras. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think I mean? storytelling is still the most yeah, important thing at the totally. end of the day. So I think I think it's all like it, whatever that specific skill set is. I agree, you can learn. We've mm-hmm. Colin and I've I've learned a lot of mine through Colin, and Colin didn't go to film school, and I went to film school. But I like they didn't teach us how to use a DSLR, right? Like I I mean I understood a little bit about uh, here and there about cameras, but like I learned by holding a DSLR and messing up shoots and then figuring it out, right? Yeah, I mean I think when it comes down to it, like at the core of most artistic expression is the ability to write and put together a sequence of thoughts, right? Yeah. And when you wrote that article about us, like we said, we were flattered. It was really a nice article. 
but we were most impressed by your ability to write. And when we saw that, we just knew this will be a, this guy will be a great member of our team to help with this show specifically because it is very based on the ability to write. Yeah, and I think if you think about like as as Colin and I move move forth, um, the people it's people like you we're trying to attract to be a part of our our team and help us um, in our path, which is like critical thinkers, people who who care about their work a lot enough to solve whatever problem yep. it is. And I think you know the first week I, I I remember when we were working on that video, like it was very evident it was going to be a very late night, right? Multiple times, and I think you said something like. Uh, I'm good to stay here as long as it takes to put this out. And I think that's like a, a, like that quality paired with the quality to critically think paired with the quality to communicate a message. Everything else can be figured out. If you want like to, to figure out how to light something, to figure out how to grab a camera, to figure out how to work audio, like all that can be figured out. But those qualities are, are, those are the intangible qualities that make, um, you know, doing something exceptional happen. Like, again, we didn't think that we could make an episode on the first week that was going to be the third highest performing video <laughs> of all time, years. right? Yeah, I don't think we thought that. But because of the the dedication to the show and to solving all the problems in it, um, that that's what made that happen. It's not it's not like some crazy skill set. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just the dedication. Sometimes the incredible happens. I mean, I don't think anyone thought I was going to knock it out of the park four out of five nights in the kitchen. I know. <laughs> a real twist. But there it is. That, that's true. That, so there was something on the line. There was a lot on the line. Yeah. Yep. Hit a, I hit a home run. And here's the thing. There was actually way more on the line than I think any of us anticipated because Braxton's mom <laughs> writes <Yes>. cookbooks. <laughs> like a lot more on the line than, than we could have thought. I will say on night two, we ran out of ideas fast. Night two. Yeah. So you had, we so called you had one idea. So I, had, I had one idea. Executed well on that idea, but night two, we called in reinforcements. Yeah. We talked to Braxton's mom. She really helped us out and helped us prepare our Trader Joe's list. We got a jumping off point and then yeah, took care yeah. of the rest. But from that point, I, t- I took care of it. Yeah. So, um, Braxton, I wanted to ask you, you, said, you talked a little bit about creating versus consuming. Mm. Um, however, you, you do consume yeah. on YouTube, right? Yes. Yeah. So YouTube is like your primary platform to consume. Yeah, YouTube's definitely where I, I spend the majority of my time consuming. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from music. Like music is easily the biggest inspiration in mm-hmm. what I'm making. Like I'll just I'll listen to music. That's where everything starts. Like that's where scripting starts. I'll start yeah. editing in my mind listening to music. Uh, there's also a lot to learn from like uh, television in the mini series format that we're seeing kind of like really pop in popularity in the last G- give five me an years. example. Big Little Lies. Yeah. Uh, HBO's most recent uh, mini series, uh, Jean Marc Vallee directed it. It's called Sharp Objects, mm. and it's one of the best shows I've seen in my entire life. Wow. That show reshaped how I think about editing. Interesting. Like completely. Yeah. yeah, I think I think there's so much inspiration to pull across you know, the platform, I think it's a, for me, like the balance is how much do I consume because I could consume for hours. Like it's, yeah. it's so easy to sit on, on YouTube or consume because I do feel in a sense that I'm getting more educated, right? Like you, I do feel like I'm getting educated and inspired. Um, but I brought that up about consumption because you had the opportunity over the past uh, week or, or two weeks to spend time with other YouTubers that, yeah. that you consume as well. Yep. Yes. Theory. Um, and- yes. Theory, rich role you got to meet. Um, and hopefully next time you're in town, you'll, you'll meet more. Yeah. But what is that experience like? Um, I guess interacting with, with some of those people that, that you also consume like expectation versus reality or just the experience of, of getting more exposure to this community that you, you consume. Yeah. I wonder how unique kind of this group of, uh, creators, 
creators in LA that we've connected with over the these last two weeks are uh, in in comparison to YouTube as a platform of creators because I feel like with you guys and with Yes Theory it was very much like these are who they are in the videos like there was no dissonance to the character that they are in their in their work than they are in real life and I don't know if that's like I don't know if we'd sit down with a Logan Paul and be like oh cool he's a completely different person than he is on camera mm. I think that's kind of unique to the space that we're operating in like this little group of creators that we all watch and follow and, and know who they are I feel like they're mostly who they are yeah. in real life in their videos. It's again this thing that where like like-minded people just are like magnets. Like it just happens. Like you'll find each other, mm -hmm. um, and it's a fascinating thing that's happened. But like you, you're very much, even though you're you're sitting in Oregon, you're very much a part of this this group of creators. Which is the power of the internet. What makes internet. YouTube so special? All right, we we've had so much noise in this <laughs> podcast. I hope everyone who's listening to this is not like. Uh, <laughs> Super uh, annoyed with the different sounds that we've had. We've had a barking dog, a wind chime. We've had helicopters. Bit of an audio jungle out here. Yeah, it is an audio jungle. But hopefully it kind of sets the space for you and you feel like you were sitting here on, on this bench with us um, on this beautiful Sunday afternoon when Braxton is, is heading back to Oregon. Yep, this is the end, guys. This is the end. Obviously not the end. Yeah, but, I'll, you I'll know, the end of, of this <laughs> this first trip, which was which was honestly a um, an amazing time, a fascinating experience and and uh it's always like my favorite thing in the world is to take an idea that's like like an idea that's that's nothing it's just in your head and you're like wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool and then put it into action and turn it into a tangible thing that that can go out into the world and receive feedback that yeah. to me is the craziest thing and, and we did that twice uh, over these two weeks which was the goal uh, we put out more content than that which was awesome too we, yeah. we um and we filmed a lot more uh which was which was really awesome so what what an awesome experience! Something that I think we'll we'll remember for a long time, and just a really cool um, embodiment of what we love the most about what we do, which is connecting with with other creative people. And I'm really excited that you've been filming for the past two weeks, and you're going to be putting yep. out a video about this experience on your channel. Yep. And can't wait to watch that. I'm sure we'll share it across all of our social platforms. But make sure to check out Braxton's channel. Uh, super impressive work. Yeah, thank you guys so much. All right, Brax, any uh, final words? This has been a really humbling experience these last two weeks, and I think more than anything, these last 14 days have proven to me exactly what it is I want to do with my life. Being able to connect the dots with this, this, this ambition to create content through the Internet, to make movies, to tell stories, and then see it in action in a, in a setting that I've only really like imagined but seen through the Internet. Like I didn't know that this is exactly how it would go down. But being able to to look back and, and see how all the pieces came together, this is like affirmation that this is the path to go on. And while this is like the elevator that's going up right now with YouTube. Yeah, very cool, man. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm really and, excited. And parting advice to someone who is looking at, you know, some other community or creator or something that they want to be a part of. You successfully did that, right? You said there was a list. You, you yeah. said you wanted to work with us. Um, and here you are two weeks later, part of our team. So what's advice to someone who might want to do that? And that, that might feel overwhelming or, or unattainable. Yeah, that's a great question. I think you have to be really self-aware of your strengths and weaknesses and be really honest with that. And also it's a value exchange, right? Like if I had nothing to offer you guys, I wouldn't be here. But I recognize that like, oh, okay, I, there's, a, there's a spot to fill on a team. I, I think I have what it takes. Uh, let's give it a shot come out and try to fill that role 
And I think it's the kind of that exchange of like, okay, I recognize that I could be valuable here. This is something that I really believe in and, and want to be a part of. And then it's just chasing after that. I love it. Great, love it. great place to stop. All right, make sure to check out Braxton's channel. We'll put it in the description of this podcast. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll also see us tweeting about him. And check out The Breakdown uh, right now, weekly, on Sundays on our YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, give us feedback. Let us know what you think. Give us feedback on the podcast. Just let us know. This is a conversation and a community uh, that you're all a part of. So thanks for listening. Hope you're having a nice day or you've already had one. There you go. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Make sure you check out Braxton on YouTube and give him some words of wisdom as he embarks on his next journey, college. Also, check out episode two of The Breakdown. It's on our YouTube channel right now, youtube.com slash Colin and Samir. If for some reason you listen to this podcast, but you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, it's about Apple and Apple's keynote addresses. All right, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to this podcast. We have some awesome interviews lined up that you're not going to want to miss.